Welcome to the Evolving Accountant Podcast. We all know that some accountants can be boring, but definitely not this one. Why talk trial balances and P&L when we can get ripped jeans into the boardroom and hear business insights from people who have really walked the talk? Get ready. Here comes an all-new episode with your host, Darren Wingfield. Hi, Esther, and welcome to the show today. For our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? But more importantly, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh my goodness, that's such a great question. What gets me out of bed? So Dan's introduced me. I'm Esther and my surname's Gillespie and I work with my husband in a company called Jumping Rivers. The thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is probably talking to other people. If I'm really honest, that's the most exciting part of my life. I like finding out what other people do and I really think that's probably my hobby as well as my job is figuring out what people do and what they like and what they're best suited for. Awesome. So can we go into a little about what your career or your journey has been like to bring us up to where we are today? Yes, it's a bit of an interesting one. So I've done a variety of jobs to pick out the main ones. I started in insurance. So I was an insurance salesperson, which has got I feel it's a very positive role, but obviously there's some connotations of what salespeople are. Um, But that's what I did. And I did a lot of risk management and commercial insurance. So people who were having large buildings and needed those insured, we did like risk management and then understand what they needed and how to get them the best options. I also did mortgages, life insurance. And then I moved to England from Ireland and did that for a little bit more and didn't like it as much. I've got to say, I just didn't enjoy it quite as much and decided to totally jump out of that job and get something which gave me quick job satisfaction. And normally when I was in insurance, you'd often have a client who would be with you for months and months and they would just continue on a journey to the next stage of what they wanted to do, the next property they were buying. And if they're property developers... There seemed to be no end to the work, which was lovely. And you had great client relationships, but there was never like a completion. There's never that it's done. So I quit everything and I went to college and learned how to be a hairdresser and did hairdressing. I was a makeup artist and did all sorts of things in a salon for a couple of years, which was great fun and was very quick job satisfaction. You know, 20 minutes, you could have someone in out and they were you know, skipping out the door and feeling fabulous. And you'd you'd done that. You, you got to be creative. You got to chat a lot and you got to listen. Actually, listening to people is really interesting to me. So that was where I was. I stopped to have children. I also went and did hairdressing because I thought I can fit children in with this if I ever want to have children. And then one day I did have children and I came out of work for eight years and suddenly hairdressing didn't seem to fit. I thought it would have. It didn't. So I had to start thinking again. And that's when Jumping Rivers was founded, actually, with my husband. So, And it's a data science company. So it kind of a very different turn of events, really. Yeah. So today's topic of conversation is around creating clarity with your data. So in your words, can you describe what you do or what Jumping Rivers does? So I think there's two different types of answers. There's a technical one, which I'm not going to give because that's a bit boring in the sense of understanding the outcome. So our customers 
often have amazing ideas of what they want to do. They've got great vision for their business or their product, and they just can't quite make it happen. There's like gaps of their knowledge and they they collect data, they put it in places, they try and get make sense of it. And quite often they do a really good job. In fact, they do do a really good job. But then there's just that extra push to push them out in front of their competitors. How do they get better? How do they make things work faster or how do they get a better return on the investment? So we do a lot of making things faster, highlighting bits of information that they've missed. But the largest part, and it seems quite a subtle thing when we meet clients is that, you know, most of them ask for machine learning, you know, that's it. Oh, I want machine learning. That will fix all my problems. But actually, for the most part, it's all about listening to what they're saying and and hearing how it affects their problems, how they affect internal and also their stakeholders. And often they kind of say, oh, it's all about the customer experience. We want to improve our product customer experience, but actually it's about their investors as well. It's about their staff and how their staff feel about the tasks they're doing, as well as how many hours it takes or where they're finding blocking points. It's finding blocking points and and making those smooth with how they move data around, how they get the answers out of the data, how they visualize their data, and also how they then present that to their clients. I guess that's kind of a big, long answer. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It all came out a bit blurby, but understanding is just listening to people is probably the most important part of our job. What you've just said leads perfectly on to the next question and probably the big buzzword of the last couple of years has all been around that machine learning. So the question I wanted to ask was around going into data science and machine learning. When you are talking to that client about these things, what can you share what a process for a typical project or task would look like? Yeah, so we, we try and understand where and why they originally wanted to move towards machine learning. It's often lost. Usually a client will turn up and they'll go, here's the data, I want machine learning, I want the answers out of it. And actually you're like, why? You know, what, what do you need out of it? And so we go back and we ask, you know, what's your systems look like? What is your infrastructure there? How does this need to come back? What what does it need to come back to you today? What does it need to come back to you next year? What's your goals in your overall project? We typically do a scoping project. So we'll spend two or three days just understanding all of their systems, learning about the data, learning about who's already worked with it, who's touched it, and on what the next steps is, who's going to receive the answers or the information afterwards. And then we kind of move on from that with here's what we think is our first action plan and really be very careful and considerate and very sensible. So it's very exciting and it always seems like a very glamorous thing to say, I'm doing machine learning and and customers are banging on about it in their sales process. And it's it's on billboards everywhere and it's talked about in the news and it's very exciting. But really, we try and sort of go, yeah, let's just take it a little tiny step at a time. Let's make this really sensible. And ideally, because it can be quite a long process to set something up that's sophisticated. Ideally, we want to make sure the client gets something in return of value, like a return on their investment within weeks of meeting us or days. So some clients by the end of 10 days are like, wow, already I've got something that's functioning, making our lives better. 
and then we do the next pet. So we, we break it all down into very small, sensible, piece-by-piece piece approaches that build up to the greater, grander vision. And we do take the time to learn and understand that larger vision or those other outcomes they're wanting to work towards because otherwise, what's the point? It's a waste of money to do one task that is then shelved in six months' time or a year's time. You know, it, you want to, to really factor in and really join them on that journey and support them and collaborate. It's very collaborative. Perfect. So when I was having a bit of a snoop around the website and the case studies and the offerings and stuff, there seemed to be like a lot of products that I was picking up on and I was wondering whether you'd be able to, I'm always interested in new tech. So I was wondering whether you'd be able to give a little bit of overview of how they fit with some of the offerings that you do. So some of the ones I picked up on was shiny, instantly jumped out of me, shiny new things. Um, yeah. Python and our markdown. Just for someone that's sort of just trying to understand what where they fit or where you would bring them into projects. Yeah. So most of our customers use a software package that they'll have bought that's part of their Microsoft Office or so they'll have Power BI or they'll have something called SPSS or SAS where they run their stats. And it's a little bit programming, but it's pretty much an out of the box software that they just do their their tasks on a daily basis or a weekly or monthly uh, reports, depending on what they want to do. They have a dashboard which shows their customers or their internal information in Power BI. And they're great. They, they're, they're quick for a client to set up. They're quick to, to learn. But there's a ceiling on how much you can do with that. So very quickly, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't do anything more with this, but I really want to change and manipulate and, and just do a little tiny thing that this this software hasn't let me do. And an example of that would be, I, I quite often jump into like a Google Doc or a Google Word document, which is an extremely simplified version of a Word document or a Word Excel file. And you've got all those things you can do in Excel and Word and everybody in the world knows what they are and, and uses them. But what if you had that limited version and you're like, oh, but I, just, oh, I could do it in the Word, but I can't do it here. So what we do is we use a prog- uh, we program to create something bespoke for each client. So we use R and we use Python for that. We, we have a few other tools in the bag, but those are the main ones. And they're really great for using in data science. They're brilliant for statistics, data pipelines and visualizations. And you, you picked up an R. R Markdown and Shiny and they're within within those program programming languages. They're like feature filled packages. They're called packages, but it's like a little toolkit already preset up for you to access. And, and we build elaborate and quite sophisticated dashboards for clients that are just not at all achievable within Power BI or any other software that they can buy out of the box. Um, it means we can do bespoke modeling that's just for their product or their process. So we can do really cutting edge statistics that isn't commonly used within either their arena. So we do a lot of marketing companies and surprisingly, they're really cutting edge and what where they want to be with data science compared to other companies. So we do a lot of those shiny dashboards, which dashboards isn't quite the word that we do real-time information and predictive modeling, machine learning, it all gets put inside there and, and brings out sort of the magic numbers, as you like to say, or the, or the magic answer um, for a customer to understand in a very simple and uh, user-friendly way. The thing with Shiny is that it's also very good to be used because 
for customers to build an application, you'd need multiple people involved. But if you do it in Shiny, it can be put together really quickly and you can get a proof of concept off the ground very, very quick and snappy. You can have it ready for your stakeholders to enjoy and engage with and have your beta options running. So it's really popular and and really taken a lot of industries by storm within the data science community. Our markdown is a very simple approach. It's used again all over the world and loads of software that you'll use on the internet every day for filling in forms and things. And it's just a reporting piece of kit that you can program and means that you can automate reporting really quickly. So a lot of NHS and government bodies are moving into this where they have to, to get that report out to the GP surgery every Friday or they need to go and that needs to be in the other departments so that they can issue statements and they just have them running automatically in the background and they key in a little bit of information. They program it themselves. We do a lot of training in that for government departments and it's really quick and easy, not necessarily always the prettiest, but it can be made really pretty as well if need be. Perfect. Thank you for that. So favourite project that you've worked on and why? I think there's lots. I think the most recent one, which is with a local company. I mean, we work with quite a few in the Northeast, but the, the most recent one in the summer that was with a local company and we can talk about, it's not under NDA, is also important, is with somebody who I just bumped into one day in the office. We worked in these open offices and he says, look at this, I've got this great thing that does maps and helps people with architects. And I really want to make a difference in how architecture is done and how it should be done properly and how it could be creative, but really have value and and merit and architects get the liberty of doing their job right, but also the customer gets what they need as well with less barriers. I never thought we would work together. I don't know why. I just was like really keen and and liked what he did. And in the summer, an opportunity came up where he was like, you know what, we've got we want to make sure that when people are locked down that the architects have the right information to build spaces where you can create either for the council or or local communities space that allows you to have the right facilities near you and the right kind of open space that makes mental health nicer and easier to bear, especially when we've just been in the middle of the pandemic. So he invited us to to work with him over the summer and we've done three or four different things since the summer and we're still working with him now. And it was all about understanding all the different data sets, bringing them to one place so that an architect could say, I can prove that this is the right way to do it to his customers rather than the customer saying, you just make that up because you feel like it looks prettier or you, you have a sixth sense, but it's actually proving and giving them, you know, that backed up answer and also looking to see how that looks in the future as well. You know, how do we predict what that will mean in the future and and understanding that, you know, we've got prediction models sitting there that's doing that. It's been a pretty project because you kind of think nice things and it's been lovely during this time to think, well, actually, what will my children see and what will the next generation have? And so that's, that's actually been lovely to be invited in. I felt really grateful and happy and and actually technically I think the team were really happy to work on it as well because there's some nice challenges in there that felt like it wasn't just a, a dull job it was a nice interesting piece of technical work to be done so it was good. Cool so what's around the corner for yourself and Jumping Rivers in 2021? I'm not sure we're kind of working that out so we do a lot of training we do a lot of projects 
a bit like the mapping one. I think really we just want to be steady where we are. I think that's sensible. We're doing quite a lot of public health projects. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> that's very on on point, I guess. Um, it would be nice to continue, just continuing on and, and keeping steady and, and strong. You know, I think that's really just the important thing to make sure we've got our staff content and happy, you know, like the team work really well together. And I, I would love to say we would be starting to grow this year again after the pandemic. We kind of just kept steady. But actually, we're a remote working company was our model. But during the pandemic, even that's affected us. You know, just having those extra limitations on has just really just made us take stock and think, actually, we just need to take more time out. So I'm happy to keep things running. Our clients keep going and just maintain and, and stay pretty steady. We've just moved into the National Innovation Centre for Data. So I've just said that, but we've just moved into the offices here. So I think there'll be some exciting projects working with everybody in the National Innovation Centre for Data when they start. I don't know because we're all still in lockdown, but I think that's probably enough on our plate at the moment. Okay. So looking back to when you started out or going back to giving that one piece of advice to 16-year-old Esther, what would it have been? I don't think people around me at that stage had much imagination for what you could do at work. Imagination if you're watching movies or reading stories. But when it comes to to work, I think it was just you get a job and you do it. And actually, I think I've always really been seeking something that's a bit more creative. And it, it didn't seem obvious that that I would be working in a data science company. Even now, it kind of blows my mind to think that we're, we're in a data science company and we're, we're doing weird and wonderful projects that we never thought of. I think, yeah, just like look at sort of imagination is so much more than just a daydreaming bit to fill in gaps between boring jobs. It's, it's really important to imagine and be creative, not let people stop you being imaginative with what you could do. I think that's it. That's yeah. So one of our core values is we love to learn. So I always ask every guest, how you learn or who you take your advice from. Do you have any sort of recommended reading or videos that you often share? So I like listen to podcasts. I'm currently going through the Louis Theroux series of Grounded. I also listen to a few tech ones like cybersecurity, one called, oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But I listen to a few of those, which is nice. But Actually, my colleagues is who I learn the most of, and they question me, and I question them, and we really just try and continually push. I use Google a lot, probably more than I ever could imagine. So, probably my colleagues is is my best source of of learning. They share a lot with me, and they give me tips and clients as well. They bring if we're working with a, a chemical company, they're the industry expert that they're presenting to us. And so I get my notebook out and I scribble like mad for the entire meeting. And then I go away and I Google all the words I didn't recognize and do that. But I, I like podcasts. I like listening. I'm definitely a listener rather than a reader. So podcasts and clients and colleagues. Awesome. So if anyone that's listened to this show wants to find out more about yourself, what's the best way to get in touch with you? About the company? Yes. Yeah. Email. We'll have just, you know, we'll get a, a video chat going or if you'd rather communicate by email. I mean, I'm talking about talking and listening an awful lot. I realize not everybody likes that. I've got, that's fine. We, we 
communicate that way. I think personal contact's usually the best. Obviously, video chat's the closest we can get to that moment. Perfect. Oh, and our website, of course. And what's your website address? Just jumpinrivers.com. It's, it's got a few examples of projects, but most projects are under NDA. So chatting to us is always much more interesting and more exciting. Okay, perfect. Just want to say thank you for taking the time out to have a chat with us today. It's been great. Oh, thanks, Darren. It's been so lovely to meet you. It's been a really interesting journey. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Evolving Accountant. You can find out more and get show notes for this and all our other episodes at theevolvingaccountant.co.uk.